Toyota jumped on board with Bubba Wallace. They became a two-car team. And here comes Kurt Busch to deliver the jump band the victory. Oh, hell yeah, man. You are the best. Them boys earned it today. Yes, yes. Brought a fast, hot ride. Yes, Brought a champion yes, in that seat. Goes. And he Love got you. the job done. Woo! This is going to be a big celebration. You're yeah. going to see this cat be happy, happy. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And this is the all-star edition of the podcast on this week's episode. We're going to take a look back at Kansas, give the recap there, see what came out of that race that we liked, disliked, and everything in between before we put that in the rear view. And then we look ahead to a different style of the podcast this week because it's the all-star race that we're going to be looking at. So a little bit different way of gambling on it, and we'll explain why, but We'll have to talk about the format and what to expect here for this race at Texas Motor Speedway. And then I'm going to give a little bit more emphasis on the trucks this weekend. The trucks have a points-paying race at Texas, so I'm going to give them a little bit more time, and we'll talk about winners and head-to-heads in that section as well. And then in Phil's Fired Up, since it is the all-star race, I figure you know other people are sort of weighing in on this from time to time. I'm going to talk about some different ideas for the all-star race because i think a lot of people could agree it's not the best the way it's set up right now so i'll give my take on a dream scenario there for what the all-star race has potential of being so a lot to talk about here on this episode this week and we'll start with kansas because i said a lot last week that kansas you know we're getting into the mile and a half segment of the season a lot of mile and a half back to back to back or in and around this area. And I was saying that Kansas is good for the gamblers because it's a little bit more predictable. And I don't really think that that ended up being the case here. This is quite a wild race that we saw at Kansas. A lot of guys making mistakes. There were a lot of different faces in the top 10 about halfway through that race. And then you've got a winner, Kurt Busch, who was a long shot. I mean, way long. I think some people talked about getting him at plus 4,000 last week. So, you know, I'm definitely happy for Kurt. So it wasn't predictable as we thought. There were some items of this race that ended up being a little bit more predictable than others, but it was not a cookie-cutter style in the way the race unfolded whatsoever. So we'll start by talking about Kurt here and... I, you know, I'm not shocked. I am not shocked that Kurt Busch won a race. I think when he joined 2311 Racing, most people said to themselves, well, you know, they're good for at least one win because Kurt just gets a win pretty much once a year now at this point in his career. And it's not crazy to say that just because he's in a different team, you know, I highlighted earlier in the year when I was looking at him in a head-to-head matchup, or maybe it was a top 10, I think it was Phoenix actually. I made the point to say, like, he's been on a lot of different teams and has quick success at certain racetracks in his first start in a new team. I didn't see that in the the data this week with Kansas, but, you know, if you're looking at the slate of drivers, you're not going to find another driver with as many team changes and the corresponding success that we got with Kurt Busch. Uh, in his career, and it, it continues right now with 2311 Racing. I was on the Backroads show last week on YouTube and was talking with Seth and Rod about, you know, the driver rankings right now, and, you know, we were talking about Kurt. He was kind of in Tier 3, and we were saying, you know, where what's the deal with him? And uh, I made the point to say, like, I'm not out on Kurt yet. I didn't have enough stones to throw some uh, bets on him, that's for sure, to win the race, but wanted to say like I I think that he's showing progress and that team just needs to kind of figure it out and man did we get a a quick turnaround from that Um, you know I think he fits right in in that tier three segment now if you're looking back at that back road show on YouTube and and where we had those drivers ranked I think he does deserve um, you know to be where we had him and maybe a little bit 
better now because of the fact that if he gets two wins now, he's playing with house money now, two wins in a season. Now you're looking at a legit playoff contender. You know, he's not just in it. So happy for Kurt. I think that a lot of people now are, are closer and hitting a, a season-long bet with 23-11, the over one and a half. It's great for them. They still have Talladega and Daytona for Bubba to come through on his end. So Kurt gets the job done and um, can't hate on that. I really like to see him do well for taking a shot on this new team and also the fact that you know 23-11 got a, not a fluke win. You know what I mean? This was their first real win because it's not rain short and it's not a super speedway. This is a real deal win for them. So good for them. We called out Kyle Busch as a guy who we liked to win the race last week. He was there. I mean, he had control of that race until the very end. He controlled the final restart. And once Kurt Busch came out of the pits third, I think it was, I was like, okay, he's done now. And it's Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch. It's the Kyle show. And Kurt went and passed both those guys. But the fact that, you know, we called out Kyle. He was in control. You know, I don't hate on that choice. You know what I mean? I I think we made a a sound choice in Kyle Busch. He was somebody who was a major factor in the race. So I don't hate that. And I think we're going to see more of Kyle down the line. Um, I think he's just improving as this year goes on. Other takeaways from this race, we had Larson finishing in the top 10. That was our toolhangers.com bet of the week. Larson top five. We had it at plus 105 on the day of recording. So that was great. Happy to add some more money into the uh, old piggy bank there for the gift card at the end of the regular season. We'll talk more about that later. We've got two of those this week. And uh, Christopher Bell, he had a top 10 hit. That was also right around like that plus 105 mark, minus 105. I don't remember exactly, but good stuff there. You know, we, we missing that outright pick, though, definitely hurts. Talking about the face-off, we had Skybox NASCAR on last week to do a full tank face-off, and he beat me 2-1. to one. It could have been a lot worse. I got a little lucky there, the fact that Eric Jones had some problems, um, but, you know, Obviously, that was a, a really weird problem. This lug nut continues to be, if we're just talking about takeaways in general here, this ta- this lug nut just continues to be a problem for NASCAR. they got to figure this out. These pit crews, they're kind of up Shit's Creek uh, with this one lug nut situation, and they need to fix this immediately, they being NASCAR. But I will take that victory there uh, to avoid being swept by Skybox there. And uh, we'll move on to the next day. So thanks once again to Skybox. If you are listening or out there, great uh, having him on. And hopefully we can have him on down the line this season. Speaking of Skybox, uh, we do the weekly Wednesday night betting preview show on Derek's Twitter spaces. Derek will be a, a guest next week for the Coke 600 on this show. And we do the, the Twitter spaces show. It's at Picks by Blaze, his account and we do the featured matchups on there, and I went 4-0 there. So uh, even though I got beat on my own podcast by Skybox, I, I did have some success elsewhere. So it was a fun race. I mean, mile and a half have the potential to be boring. This race car, this new package, definitely seems like it's bringing more energy to these races, and if they can do it in cookie-cutter country, man, what a season this is going to be. So uh, I thought the, the chaos was great. And we will move on because the track we're going to next is the true temperature check. The all-star race is headed to Texas once again. And if this car can make Texas a interesting race, then we know that there's nothing it can't do. All right. So they took a regular season race away from Texas and gave it the all-star race. That's the Second time, I believe, that this will be the case. We still have the playoff race at Texas later on this season. So I'm going to talk, I guess, more about the situation or the concept of the all-star race later in the Phil's Fired Up section. All right, I'm going to save that for then. But the reason why I'm kind of throwing this episode together a little bit differently, you know, not as structured with um, the same normal bets and and the different segments is you have to take the driver performance with a grain of salt because it's not points paying. So they kind of throw everything out there. So 
if they go for something and it doesn't pay off, you know, they don't really care. It's just for a million dollars to the winner and the team. So, you know, that's really what they're going for. That's how they have them. And the format, shaking everything up, it's kind of complicated, convoluted to follow along with. So, you know, for that reason, it's tougher just to be like treating this just like every other week. But we will be calling out guys that we like in certain spots here on this episode and a couple of head-to-heads. So first, before anything, we have to look at the format of the All-Star race. And it starts with qualifying because I think they have made qualifying potentially, if this works out, I mean, we got to see it in practice, but theoretically, qualifying may be extremely exciting. Maybe the, the most fun part of the weekend. Now we've got two different types of races this week. We've got the Open, the All-Star Open, which is for the drivers who are not currently locked in to the All-Star race. And then we've got qualifying for the All-Star race. Now, the Open qualifying is just like any other race. So those guys will be doing things normally. We're going to talk about them in just a bit. But for the All-Star race competitors currently, the way that the qualifying will work for them is that they're going to do the first round of just one lap single qualifying. And then the top eight drivers in speed in the, that lap are going to make it to an eight driver elimination tournament. So it's like a bracket here. And this is where they loop in the pit crews. So what they're going to do is set up two stalls on pit road. There's going to be no speed limit on pit road. And each team has to perform a four tire stop. And then the driver will leave that pit and drive a full lap around. And the first driver to make it back to his pit stall wins. And the other driver is eliminated. So if you keep advancing and make it to the final two, and we will set the order that way, which I find really interesting because a little while back, it might've been like 10 years now, they used to have like a pit crew challenge or almost like a, you know, you'll get like a baseball has the skills competition or hockey has the skills competition. That was always something that I thought I got a kick out of. And, you know, this is a way to bring the pit crews into it uh, once again. So I'm very happy to see this. I think this could be pretty entertaining and you got use this in factoring this in. If you're going to make some of the bets, the, the props that we have out there available, we will talk about for qualifying in just a bit. Now, as far as the race is concerned, it all starts with the All-Star Open, which is, like I said, everybody that's not currently locked in to the All-Star race. There are three stages in this one, and a driver that wins stage one will automatically be locked in to the All-Star race. Same thing for stage two, and the, the winner of the race at the end will also make it in. So three drivers make it in on performance, and then there's a fan vote that will be someone that has not currently locked themselves in. Um, so, for example, if Tyler Reddick wins stage one and he also won the all-star vote, it'll just go to the next person in line. So four drivers from the Open will actually advance into the proper main all-star race. Now, in the race, once you get there, there are four stages in this one. Stage one winner will start on the pole. But they have to make sure you can't just drop all the way to the back. As long as they're in the top 15, they will then start on the pole. Stage two, it's the same situation. They'll start second. After stage two, there will be a pit stop. Okay. And the fastest time in the pit stop from your pit crew will start fourth overall. All right. And then the winner of stage three will start third. So if you win a stage, you're starting wherever that stage corresponds to, uh, either one, two, or three. And then the fourth spot to start the final uh, segment will be awarded to the team that finishes their pit stop fastest. It's already starting to get a little convoluted. I, you know, I'm not uh, surprised if you're struggling to keep up with this because it is a little tough. Now, stage four, the final segment here is 50 laps. There will be a forced caution at some point if there's not one already between a, a certain time frame. So they're going to force a caution. There will be another restart after, you know, stage four starts at some point, whether it's natural or whether it's forced. So it's very complicated for non-NASCAR fans. That's a lot to absorb. So gamblers 
are also kind of dealing with that because it's not just straight up like you're used to doing. You have to think about, you know, that final restart, who's going to be there, etc. Um, so I usually tend to avoid betting big on the all-star race. But, you know, it is Texas and this new car is going to bring some fun element to it. So you want to have some stake in the game. And there are some bets out there that do make sense. So let's take a look at Texas then as far as track sets are concerned. 41 races in the Cup Series at Texas. Five times the winner I started on the pole, and Kyle Larson did it in 2021 in the fall race. So last time we were here was Kyle Larson's show. The winner has started in the top five 56% of the time, and the top 10 78% of the time. That's a high number compared to the other tracks we go to. Um, one of the highest, I think I would say. And then starting outside the top 20, it's only happened six times, but Austin Dillon pretty recently did it in 2020. Manufacturer trends, there really has a, a pretty good mix there. There's not really any patterns between Ford, Toyota, Chevy that we're seeing there. So I'm not really focused on anything there like we may be at other tracks, other than the fact that currently in 2022, Ford is just kind of out to lunch right now. So we got to keep our eyes peeled on that. So I usually say to myself, well, you know, at the all-star race, I'm avoiding the favorites because there's so much craziness. But that actually turns out to be kind of a, a fool's errand because what we see at all-star races, at least what we've seen recently, is the guys who we expect to be good end up being good or being there in the end. You know, you look at Kyle Larson last year. So I, I'm not going to avoid the favorites this year. I think there's a, a value to hit on some of these guys, and we're going to talk about them right now. So let's start by taking a look at the first guy we're going to call out, and he is the favorite. And we mentioned his name a few times already. It's Kyle Larson, plus 600. You can get him at plus 600 right now on DraftKings. Other sports books have him at plus 500 or lower. So right there tells me that there's value there for this driver. The reason why I want Kyle Larson in my stable or on my ticket this week, it's a cumulative reason. Multiple things are kind of coming together here for me to say, yeah, I'll throw Kyle Larson on my book. First and foremost, he won both races at Texas last year. I mean, how could you avoid a guy who took down both races, including the all-star race? If you look at his last eight races at Texas, he has one win. The all-star race is not included in these stats. One win, three top fives, three top tens. So if he's not in the top five, he's not having a great race. His average finish isn't that great, but he hasn't lost a race in the five car at Texas yet. He's only had two races there, including the all-star race. His drive rating is fifth in his career, 97.0. And he won on a lot of mile and a half last year, this time of the season, starting with the all-star race or, or you know, maybe right before it, he came alive. And the mile and a half ended up being, you know, something that really solidified him as the perennial favorite to win the championship. And he went on to do that. So what we saw last week, that school of thought is actually valid. I mean, he finished second. He had control. Kurt ended up beating him. You know what I mean? Great race. Kyle raced very respectively and he finished second. So, this is where he gets hot. If you're looking at what we saw last year and a little bit about this year, he's coming alive this part of the season. So top three, he's plus 150. So that's something else. You know, we're saying, you know, if he's not in the top five, then he's kind of out of it. His top three number plus 150 is also pretty intriguing here. So it's the fact that he was great recently, hasn't lost a race here in the five car, like I said, and is starting to come alive in this mile and a half segment of the season, all of that is really kind of saying, okay, I can feel comfortable throwing my money down on plus 600. Value's there for me on the favorite. So, and, and we have said the favorite has not won since Auto Club, and the All-Star Race to me seems like a race that would buck that trend just because it's the All-Star Race. Like, it's just a, a weird race. So, I'm down for Kyle Larson plus 600. Lock me in on that one. The other guy is somebody that we called out last week, and we touched on him already today. It was Kyle Busch. He's plus 700 right now. And Toyota is starting to wake up a little bit this season. And that's something that if Toyota's uh, waking up, 
you're going to want to look to Kyle Busch because he seems to be their leader right now as far as that whole stable. Um, so with Kurt's win last week, that puts an exclamation point on that fact that they're starting to come alive themselves. All six Toyota drivers finished in the top 10. When was the last time that that happened? I cannot find it. Six of them. Bubba Wallace finishing 10th. That put the cap on it as well. And Kyle being such a major factor there for Toyota, he was leading the charge. That is enticing if you're a better and want to throw money on Kyle Busch and Toyota in general. You know what I mean? If you want to say, all right, well, who from the Toyota camp are we looking for here? Kyle Busch has been the most consistent across the board in 2022. And at Texas, last 10 races, two wins, four top fives, seven top tens. Those are just really good numbers for anyone at a racetrack. And Kyle Busch has something to kind of cling to here because even in what could be considered one of his biggest down years in recent memory, 2020, race number 34, he had the monkey on his back. Is he going to miss out on a win in a season? He hasn't had that happen you know, in a super long time, if ever. And so everyone was like, oh, this is the year. And even in that year, he was able to come to Texas and get that win and get that monkey off his back. So this place has to be a place of positive vibes for him. You know, that was a big deal for him that season, and he got it done. He's third in average finish compared to everyone in NASCAR, 9.1. His driver rating is also third, 106.2. So this year, right now in 2022, he's at a point in the season where he's got three top three finishes in his last five races. So that is something that interests me very much. And so the other factor here is we're going to look at the concept of the all-star race or the the format of it, this pit crew stop situation. His pit crew has been very fast. They set an all-time record for four-tire stop earlier in the season. That, to me, says even if he's off, right, he's, he's slower off the truck. Well, the pit crew stop at the end of stage two could get him to be sitting fourth when that final stage starts. You know what I mean? And if you, you rocket him up to the fourth even though he's not running as well, maybe, then that puts him back in the game. So, you know, I'm interested at plus 700. And you talk about that speed stuff with the pit crew. If he makes it into that elimination bracket of the final eight guys, that pit crew could vault him into the pole as well. You know, plus 600 is what Kyle's looking at to win the pole. He's got a super fast pit crew. I don't think that that's a, a terrible bet. So, for all those reasons, plus 700 seems pretty reasonable to me. I like it. So lock me in for those two. And we're just going to stick with those guys right now to win the race. And after qualifying is over and practice and everything, we'll maybe throw a, another winner or two out there. But for now, that's what we're going with. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. All right, so next we're going to combine some props that are out there right now around qualifying, and we'll talk about a couple head-to-head matchups that I like to start off here. So they have props out there for both the All-Star Race poll and the Open, and so we're going to start by taking a look at some All-Star Race competitors and their odds to win. Just a, a quick conversation around these guys, because... Like I said, this involves their pit crew. So this is a two-prong attack here. You're going to want to take somebody that you feel like has the ability to lay down a fast lap by themselves at Texas and then go to their pit crew. And who can we rely on to help them advance through this bracket format of you know the pit crew four-tire stop and making it around, basically racing the other driver, very interesting. I'm I'm super excited to see this. And I already mentioned Kyle is plus 600 because, you know, he's worth the, the value there from his experience in Texas and his pit crew being pretty solid. But there's a couple other guys. If you look at the pit crew rankings and their speeds this season, just the pit crew themselves, you know, because the pit road speed is not a thing anymore for this format. They're going to be busted ass to get in and out of there. So, if you're just looking at the stop for the pit crew, there are some rankings out there and averages that 
kind of surprised me a little bit. So maybe they shouldn't. There's just two guys I didn't want to call out here. Chase Elliott is plus 400, excuse me, plus 450 to win the poll. He's tied with Larson as one of the favorites to win the poll. We've seen Hendrick Motorsports be pretty good at, you know, the qualifying effort so far this year. And his average pit stop time is the best in NASCAR. If you're looking at his crew, it's 11.27 seconds. And that, to me, speaks volume. So what we're relying on here is Chase being able to make it on his own for one lap qualifying, which he's been pretty consistent being able to do. Uh, then if he gets to that bracket format, I think his team can get him off to a, a quick start and be able to you know, make his way around the racetrack ahead of whoever he's going up against. So plus 450 seems pretty legit to me. The other guy that I want to call out here, it's a little bit of a surprise to me. It's Ryan Blaney plus 900. So his average starting position at Texas is 6.7 in the last 10 races. That's second out of everyone. That is pretty impressive, you know. So that, to me, tells me that he's going to be able to potentially put a good lap down to make it into that eight-driver bracket because that's all we need to do. Right, we we got to get them there, and then you're looking at guys with decent pit crews. Now, I have made jokes about Blaney's pit crew letting him down at certain points of this season. You know, for example, guys that you definitely don't want to take. Uh, I would have said Ryan Blaney, but and another guy like Bubba Wallace, his pit crew absolutely screwed him last week. He was having a great run, possibly a top five run, and he's in the All Star race. You're not going to want to take him to win the poll because you know even if he gets a good lap, they might not come through. But in a you know staged scenario like this, maybe things are a little bit different. But Ryan Blaney's crew, according to the the stats that I have, surprisingly put him fifth out of you know everyone as far as the just the pit crew stops. And that's something that took me by surprise. And then if you're looking at the the total, the in and the out and everything, the driver doing his job, pit crew doing their job, he's actually third in NASCAR. So that whole setup there, that's interesting. I know we said that the in and outs don't matter, but the fact that he's even in the ball game gets my attention. So if you're looking for a more value pick to win the poll, maybe somebody off the beaten trail plus 900 for Ryan Blaney is something that gets my attention. That is not something I thought that I'd be saying heading into this, but the data is kind of driving me in that direction. So I'm into it. I mean, imagine hitting that number in qualifying and then being able to throw some money. Talk about, you know, not wanting to spend a large amount of money down on the all-star race because it's the all-star race, blah, 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 blah. You hit plus 900 number, you could be good as gold sprinkling around that cash that you're winnings. So there's that. Now, Let's talk a little bit about the guys in the open, all right? Because you're really only working with, like, a few guys who have a chance to win this poll. And it starts with Tyler Reddick. He's the favorite to win the poll. He's plus 100. So when you see that, it kind of hits you in two different ways. One, well, you know, that's too short of odds. I'm not really interested in something like that. I'd rather hit for something bigger, kind of like what we said a second ago about Blaney. So maybe that turns some people off right away, seeing, hey, you know, Tyler Reddick, I don't know, there's got to be somebody out there that could beat him. But there's a reason why he's plus 100. I mean, all the big dogs, or most of them, are in the, the real show. So Reddick sitting around here going, hey, I'm big fish, small pond right now in this group of drivers. His average starting position this season is 10.4. That's good enough for fifth in NASCAR in everybody, not just the guys we're talking about here for the Open. And so that right there gets your attention. Now at Texas, in his short experience at Texas, it's not that great. So the thing about him is maybe plus 100 would be a, a good value for him to win stage one. But I don't know about to win the poll. It seems a little too low for me, even though he's great at starting position so far this season, Texas, that you know variable thrown into the mix there makes it seem like he's the favorite, but I don't know. Maybe that value is just not there for me, plus 100. But I think I have to throw something on that as an insurance policy in case he really is just like head and shoulders better than everybody else. Now, the other guys that we're working with here, guys like Daniel Suarez, he's plus 150. I'm, I'm not taking that. I, you know, if he goes out and proves me wrong, great. The another, next guy up, though, is Austin Dillon. He's had a poll here at Texas in the past, naturally. 
So we're talking about natural qualifying for these guys. We don't need to worry about the pit crew, just like the guys we just talked about in the all-star race. So that right there should be something like, hey, you know, why isn't he the favorite? If you look at just the guys that are in the open, Austin Dillon actually has the best average starting position of everybody at Texas at 15.8. And in 2022, out of that same group of guys, he's got the second best starting position this season. So, you know, why isn't he the favorite? He's plus 175. To me, that number is pretty intriguing. I like that number. I'll definitely be taking that number. I don't quite understand why they are kind of shading, throwing a little bit of shade at Austin Dillon there by not making him the favorite. You know, it doesn't make sense to me, but we'll move on to the last guy that I want to call out because he's plus 1,000, and this is where my first tool hangers bet of the week comes into play here. So to talk about our sponsored pick here, it's toolhangers.com, toolhangers with a Z on the end, and you can go there and you can enter in promo code full tank to get 10% off of any order that you make there, which is great, but We've said this a few times now, but just in case you're new to the concept, what we're doing here each week, we've got a bet of the week, and I've got $10 to play with. And if we hit that bet, it goes into a piggy bank, and that piggy bank will be given out in form of a gift card to the site after the Daytona regular season race to anyone who goes and registers at toolhangers.com slash full tank. So make sure you do that for the end of the year for the gift card eligibility, but we threw a little bit more money in with the top 10, excuse me, top five last week for Larson. And if you go to that link, toolhangers.com slash full tank, you get to see our guy Jordan. He put together a slate of the season and, you know, tracking the bets, what we took, what the current balance is right now. And he's got a, a line item in there for both the open and the all-star race. So the prop that I'm going to take for the open is actually going to be a qualifying bet because I'm treating the Open kind of, actually both, the All-Star Race and the Open, as kind of like a whatever happens, happens type of thing. And so I'm kind of going with a long shot here to win the poll. It's Eric Jones. He's plus 1,000. This would be a pretty big amount of money into the piggy bank here if we were to hit this long shot. Probably the longest shot I'm going to take with the bet of the week um, all season. But Eric Jones stands out to me because you're eliminating so many guys from this possibility. You're really only looking at, you know, Chris Buescher and Suarez and the two guys we mentioned, Dylan and Reddick, as competition for him to get it done. He's second of the open cars at Texas as far as average starting position is concerned, 16.8. Now, a lot of that had to come with the Gibbs manufacturing, but hey, it's still a stat nonetheless. We've seen in the past with Eric Jones this season, that necessarily isn't the end-all, be-all. You know, he's able to put things together where he's been successful in this equipment, 43 car, 2022. He's third overall this year in starting position of the open cars. So the point that I'm trying to make here is plus 1,000 is an absolute crazy number for this driver in particular with the stats that we're looking at. Like, it, it is not out of the question for him to go and snag a pole. So I'm going to throw the first bet of the week for tool hangers on Eric Jones plus 1,000. That would be quite the addition to the piggy bank for the toolhangers.com gift card at the end of the year. So just to recap tool hangers, they specialize in custom tool hangers for storing, organizing, and displaying on pegboard tool walls from circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, anything that you have maybe in your garage or your tool bench area that you're looking to clean up, these guys have something for you. So make sure you give that website a look and we will touch on our other tool hangers bet of the week in just a moment here. So now we're going to go to some head-to-head matchups here and let's stick right with it because I'm going to throw my all-star race bet of the week on a head-to-head matchup here because I feel pretty strongly about this one. So, like I said, we're, we're kind of combining the head-to-heads this week with our props um, as opposed to breaking them out. And we're only calling out two head-to-heads right now for the All-Star Race. And what we're going to do first is Austin Cindric versus Chase Briscoe. Both of these guys are going off at minus 110 apiece, and I want Austin Cindric in this matchup. So he is my pick for the All-Star Race for the Tool Hangers Better of the Week there. I like it. He's got one start at 
Texas in the Cup Series. He finished fifth. I believe he was driving the 33 car for Penske at the time in a fourth car. I have not confirmed that, but a fifth place finish nonetheless. You cannot hate on that. And he was running good last week as well. He finished 11th, just outside of the top 10, but he was running inside the top 10 for a lot of that race. Now, in order for that to happen, we needed some chaos to unfold as we talked about that race a lot of guys making mistakes, but someone who wasn't making mistakes was that rookie driver in the two car. So maybe he's starting to learn on the fly a little bit, and maybe he just likes this track. So that's something that I'm kind of digging right now when it comes to this driver and this team. Like, you want to be on something when it starts to get hot, and Sindrick has that potential here. Maybe he's decent at mile and a half, and we just haven't seen that yet out of him as a driver, and that team needs a chance to shine. So let me get that. I mean, Kozlowski in the past has had a lot of success at mile and a half. So that two car, we'll see. Look at his opponent in this matchup, Chase Briscoe. In his one regular season race, or excuse me, playoff race, points paying race at Texas, he finished 15th, which is not good, not bad. Pretty decent for a head to head matchup if that's what you're looking for, which is what we are. But I already outlined how I like Sindrick to kind of be. He's a threat to finish in the top 10, I think. Briscoe, I don't think, has that ability at this track. So then you talk about this season, and it seems like Chase Briscoe sort of has a vibe about him in NASCAR that like he's having a pretty decent year, right? We forget that Austin Sindrick won the Daytona 500 because he's not really living up to expectations, whereas Briscoe, there's a vibe out there. There's a sense that he's really performing pretty well because he has a win at Phoenix earlier in the season. Well, I would argue that that is just simply not true because Sindrick has Briscoe beaten average finish this year in 2022, 17.6 to 18.4. And then his drive rating is the same deal. He hasn't beat by a few spots there as well. Chase Briscoe, since Martinsville, has been really, really bad. His average finish since that Martinsville race is 23.2. That is gross. So you look at someone who's really not performing well lately. I'm taking the guy who has been performing well and has potential to really shine at this track in a smaller field, Austin Sindrick. So give me Sindrick head-to-head in this matchup, minus 110 as the all-star race bet of the week for toolhangers.com. The last head-to-head matchup that I'm going to call out here is Ross Chastain versus Martin Truex Jr. These guys are both going off at minus 115 apiece. So they have these guys matched up pretty evenly as well. Chastain has Truex in driver rating and average finish this season. So that's something that, you know, is interesting to me. If we look at Las Vegas and Kansas, where we just came from, as comparable racetracks, mile and a half racetracks, they're one and one as far as going up against each other head to head. We're throwing Atlanta out because of the change to that track. Both of these drivers have been pretty good on those two mile and a half tracks this season. Last week at Kansas is where Truex actually beat Ross head to head. Truex finishing six with Ross finishing just behind him at seven. So I'm going to take Ross in this matchup for consistency because Truex. You know, he hasn't been as consistent as Ross. Ross is a favorite to win the championship right now. He's still fourth as far as the odds go to win the title for the NASCAR championship, which is crazy. And his top fives are very consistent. He's got a boatload of those, finished top 10 again last week. We haven't seen that consistency from Truex this season. Then you take into consideration the million dollars on the line here for this all-star race. I'm looking at someone in Ross Chastain who that million dollars would be just huge for. Huge for him, huge for his race team, and so they're going to be going big for this race. Whereas Truex, Truex has literally stated in the press that he's financially stable enough to retire tomorrow. So I don't think this million dollars is going to get Truex to take any extra risks or do something just to to win a non-points paying race. So I am going to go with a guy. Now, normally you might say to yourself, well, wouldn't you want to take someone who is going to just be there and and take the consistency in the race itself? Because if Ross takes a risk and messes up, then he's finishing in the back. True. But I think Ross Chastain could actually win this damn race. So I like him in this matchup. And the last thing that I'll mention is the pit crew stats. I mean, Ross has 
really good stats when it comes to the pit road stuff. Good ins and outs, good team stops overall. So even if Chastain is off of it, that team could win the fastest pit stop after stage two, and all of a sudden you're starting fourth to start last stage. So I like Ross Chastain in this matchup. They're they're evenly set up, minus 115. That's who I'm going with to round out the head-to-head sections and the picks for the all-star race. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So now let's spend a little bit more time on the trucks than we normally do because we've got Friday night lights, baby, in Texas. Texas trucking, what's going on? And we've got a a few different things to talk about here. We've got some guys to win the race, some head-to-head matchups, and uh, maybe a, a finishing position bet or two here to throw out there. So our favorite in the truck race this weekend is John Hunter Nemechek. He's plus 400. This is very similar to what we saw last week at Kansas when we saw the odds drop there as well. He's plus 400, and it makes sense because he won from the pole here last year, and he led 64 laps in doing so. This was the same value we saw for John Hunter going into the Kansas race a week ago. And then after qualifying, he ended up putting the car on the pole, and then all of a sudden the odds dropped to like plus 350, I think plus 300 on Barstool, uh, if I remember correctly. So he's pretty good in the mile and a half since he's been in the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks. I can remember, I think it was Vegas where he ended up beating his boss, you know, to, to prove that. That's impressive. That was last year. And so he's been pretty deadly on the mile and a half. Last week, he finished sixth after putting it on the pole. So a bit of a letdown there. I think the people who had him plus 400 were pretty happy before qualifying. And then after qualifying, if you took that risk, you know, plus 350, plus 300, um, you know, that was a little bit more risky play. And obviously it didn't pan out for you. He didn't even finish in the top five, which was, you know, his top five's number top five number, excuse me, was, you know, really, really ridiculous. So the thing with John Hunter is I think if you want to take him, you got to take him now uh, plus 400 because if he does do that same thing, very easily could put it on the pole. That number is going to shift down. And if that happens, I think it goes below the threshold that I'm comfortable betting on him with. So, I mean, I'm usually pretty hesitant of throwing money down on the favorite, especially in the trucks. You know, it hasn't really panned out for the truck season as well. We talk about how it's been, you know, very rare in the Cup Series. Well, trucks have been similar situation. So this is more of an insurance play for me. Uh, I'm going to talk about at least one other guy to win and a bunch of other guys here head-to-head that, you know, obviously could play a factor in the win. But um, if John Hunter ends up going out and it's just his show – I want to have something on that. More of an insurance policy more than anything. Now, the guy that I think has a real shot to win is, well, his season so far this season. It's Zane Smith plus 500. I don't know what this guy has to do in order to be favored when the odds come out for the first time. It doesn't make any sense. He won last week at Kansas, and he just continues to roll. It's his third win of the season. His stats this year are unbelievable. He got DQ'd at Las Vegas, but if you you know don't, Consider that disqualification. His average finish this season is 4.6 in eight races. That is unbelievable. And the next best driver is 10.1. That tells you that Zane Smith is just on one this season. And I have been lucky enough just to been cashing all season long. When Zane wins, we all win. I love it. And so we want to take advantage of this guy because a lot of these truck drivers, when they are doing well, We love it as gamblers. We're cashing our tickets week in and week out. But as we saw with people like Austin Hill, you know what I mean? Sheldon Creed, they're going to get the call up to the next round or the next level. So we're going to miss them. And then we got to find our new golden goose. Well, Zane Smith is one of our golden geese right now in the truck series. So uh, let's take advantage of it while we have him here. And, you know, you have to have him in some way, shape, or form in this bet. So three starts at Texas. He has one top five, two top tens. Average finish at Texas is 9.3. To me, that brings value in, you know, a top five as well, top three, and head-to-head. 
you know, the value in a head-to-head matchup, the only value that, or excuse me, the only matchup that we see right now with Zane is actually going against our favorite, John Hunter Nemechek, and Zane is plus 100. So that right there is intriguing to me. I really want to throw some money down on Zane Smith there. He's plus 500 to win, plus 100 to beat John Hunter. They are very much equal as far as I'm concerned. I mean, John Hunter, obviously, past winner a year ago, dominated that race. We get it. We talked about him. But Zane this season is a different beast, man. He's just on one. So I think plus 100 is a good matchup, um, good value in that matchup. I think they should be even odds, but they're not. So I'll take Zane in that head-to-head as well and cross my fingers. The other factor as far as winning the race and the odds, the outrights are the fact that Ross Chastain is in the race. And we get nervous when the cup drivers jump down, hop in the trucks, and they do something. Ross is a more recent truck driver than most. Uh, But Ross has raced twice so far this year. He hasn't done anything as far as disrupting the outrights or anything like that. His average finish is 23.2. So that, you know, is something that I want to worry about. He's plus 550 to win the race. Ross, I think I would take in a live line. It's available when the race starts. If he looks like he's just, you know, on something, you might get him at plus 300 or a much lower number, but I need to see what I have with Ross. Maybe after qualifying, as we're going to talk about with a couple other guys here, um, qualifying might help us out with the Ross Chastain stuff as well, but he's a factor. I'm not as scared of him as I would be Kyle Busch messing up the the outrights, but you have to wait and see with him. Now, someone that I'm going to call out for a finishing position bet is Matt Crafton for a top five. Now, they don't do top tens. I really wish we saw some top ten action on the trucks because we'd be talking about different guys each time. But Matt Crafton for a top five, he's plus 220. That number is what's ringing in my ears. I cannot get that out of my head. Because if you look at his last 10 races, he's got five top five finishes, nine top tens. So he's going to be there. It's just will the race shake out enough for him to sneak up into that top five. If you look at the value that you're getting here for a driver who has a 50% rate for the top five, that is not something we're used to seeing. Like To me, this is a mistake by the sports books. If you compare it to what we talk about with the cup drivers, when we usually talk top tens, right? Kurt Busch comes to mind. I think I've said in a recent episode, hey, Kurt has finished in the top 10 50% of the time. His value at that point is usually like plus 125, plus 140. We're talking about a guy who's 50% of the time in the top five at this racetrack specifically, and he's plus 220. That's crazy. His average finish at this track is best in the truck series, 7.0. That's wild. So where I think the sports books are trying to overcorrect a little bit is this season this year. It's not phenomenal by any means, but he's not a you know schlub. He's not Johnny Sauter just out there driving around causing havoc, a, a former champion, a former dominant driver at racetracks just causing problems. No, he's not Sauter. He's Matt Crafton. He's in that yellow 88 car. He's a factor, baby. So I like him top five this week. I'm going to try to get some uh, good value there, plus 220. Now we'll get into some head-to-head matchups here. Two that I like and then one that I want to watch. I'm going to put the the watch emoji on there. The first one that I like is Tyler Ankrum taking on Derek Krause. Ankrum is the favorite, minus 120 to minus 110. So it's a pretty evenly matched up situation here. And I think that's because they're right next to each other in the standings. They're 12th and 13th in the standings. This season, it's a 4-4 split as far as head-to-head is concerned. So that right there is like, okay, you know, they deserve to be you know pretty evenly matched up as far as the odds are concerned. But if you just look at Texas, it's Tyler Ankrum that has the advantage. Five starts for Ankrum, one top five, four top tens. That's crazy. And in three races where he's been up against Kraus, he's two and one. So I'm going to go with the guy who has the experience at this racetrack and the consistency. His average finish at Texas is 7.8. That's what got my attention when I was doing the, you know, different searches for, you know, sorting the columns and everything. I saw Ankrum's name up there when I was searching by average finish and I was like, what's going on here? Give me this guy. Four top tens and five starts. That's pretty crazy. We're not really used to seeing that for Tyler Ankrum. 
So I like it. He finished third in 2019. So that tells you, I mean, that's his top five finish. That tells you that he's not overmatched at this mile and a half racetrack. I like that. He's plus 400 to finish top five. Do I think that'll happen? It's possible. That's where I'm saying I wish we saw a top 10 number because I would definitely take him to finish in the top 10. He's plus 4,000 to win the race. Very unlikely. But if some of the bigger guys get into trouble, Tyler Ankle would be Johnny on the spot. Derek Krause, he's just not somebody that's on my radar right now. Maybe he would be, you know, after he gets some more um, seasons under his belt. But right now I'm going with Tyler Ankle, minus 120 in this head-to-head matchup. Next one that I'm going with here is a couple other guys, one rookie versus more experience. You know, we've got Ty Majeski, not much more experience, but Ty Majeski, minus 125 against Corey Heim. Minus 105. Now, Ty has one start at Texas where he finished 15th. Corey Heim is a rookie for Kyle Busch Motorsports. And Ty is off to a great season. Corey Heim, not so much. So that's where I'm kind of confused as to why Corey Heim isn't plus money here. Eight starts for Ty Majeski, three top fives, five top tens this season. His average finish is 11.0. He's fifth in the standings. I mean, he's a factor this year, guys. Like, Majeski is a player. I like it. I like the team that he's on. And so I thought that we'd see him matched up against somebody, you know, more his caliber as far as the standings are concerned because Corey Heim is way down there. He has one win, and that's it. One win, one top five, one top ten. He's hanging on to the same thing. What have you done for me lately pretty much for Corey Heim? His average finish is 22.5. His situation is, if you take this bet, my prediction is you're going to be clenching the cheeks a little bit early on in the race as Corey Heim driving for KBM stuff. You know, KBM stuff's going to be good at mile and a half. So I think, you know, he'll probably be up there in the top 10, maybe in the top five and, and playing a factor. But I think, you know, the law of averages, I guess you could say, would catch up to Corey Heim in this situation. And I think Majeski will take over and win this matchup. So I'm going with Majeski here, minus 125. Lock me in for that matchup. Now, the last matchup I'm going to call out at this moment is a matchup to watch for around qualifying. Grant Enfinger versus Ben Rhodes. Grant Enfinger is someone that I really need to see perform right now because if he has things going his way, he's able to show us that he's got something. I'm very interested in taking in finger in this matchup. They're evenly matched up here because at Texas, he is phenomenal. Five top fives, seven top tens, and nine starts here for Grant Enfinger. That really gets my attention. I want to bet on that guy, but Grant Enfinger just doesn't have that edge this season as much as our guy Ben Rhodes. Rhodes has made me tons of money so far this year, and Rhodes... Has some decent numbers at Texas, two top fives, four top tens in 10 starts. You know, so this is where I need qualifying. I need practice to be able to help me adjust and, and see because this is one that I could see myself going all in on end finger and then he shows up in practice and he's like 16th, qualifying is like 17th. That's not a competition. If end fingers running top five, top 10, practice and qualifying, then I want to come back to this, and after they repost the, the matchups, I think I would take Enfinger. If he's not, I'm going Rhodes all day in this matchup because Rhodes is just having another great year. Him and Zane Smith, I think, are um, championship contenders for sure. They'll be up against each other most of the year, so you don't want to fade Rhodes unless there's really good reason. So we need to keep our eyes on this one, and when it comes back up to bet on after qualifying, that's when we need to strike. So that's the truck breakdown. If you have any other messages or questions around that please let me know on social media because i love talking trucks and we got friday night lights so nothing better than that all right so now we are in the phil's fired up section and i am fired up this week because i want to talk about dream scenarios for this all-star race concept but before i do that we've got the preakness coming up you know we talked kentucky derby just two weeks ago and now the the preakness is here the triple crown contender the the winner of the kentucky derby rich strike has opted out of the preakness meaning there will be no triple crown once again this season which is a little bit of a disappointment i think it's got some eyes off of the preakness but i'm not going to give any thoughts on the preakness this week what i want to do is say please give the 
Optics EQ YouTube channel a look. Follow Emily on Twitter at Emily Optics EQ. She was our guest for the Kentucky Derby. She was phenomenal. And, and their YouTube channel, I watched the breakdown that her and her partner, John, gave uh, on the Preakness, and it is so filled with information. So if you're getting excited for the Preakness, please you know, support uh, someone that we had on as a guest for what they're doing in their lane. It's phenomenal stuff, and um, get some good information there. Because I could tell you right now, I was on a, a couple of horses in my mind, and it kind of persuaded me away from that. So I'm kind of going back to the drawing board, might rewatch that YouTube video they posted out there on uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, getting ready for the Preakness. So that's the thought. I'm not going to really break that race down. I'm going to let the experts do it for me here and give them a look. So good stuff there for the Preakness. Now with the all-star race, I said earlier that it's a little convoluted, Right? And I think that turns a lot of people off. Regular NASCAR fans, I think, are a little bit turned off by this whole, like, all right, at the end of stage one, we got a winner that's going to start here, and the edge of stage two, and then there's a forced caution, and then there's pit stop, blah, 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 blah. If it works, great. You know what I mean? And if people are happy with it at the end of it, that's fine. I can tell you that when I see the All-Star Race appear on my calendar, I am not excited whatsoever. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it's a little too complicated. I don't know if it's because it's at Texas. But every year I think, all right, well, what if I was in charge of NASCAR? What would I do to make this better? Right? Because it's tough to make an all-star race or all-star game for any of the other sports interesting. You look at the Pro Bowl. No one gives a shit about the Pro Bowl. Like, it just doesn't make sense. You know, other sports, baseball, they've made kind of a big deal because they've got all the home run derby and, and all that stuff, a lot of fanfare around it. And the game means something as far as the World Series is concerned. It gives the league that wins the home field advantage in the World Series. At least it did for a while. So overall, it's not something new in sports. Like, it's tough to make this interesting. So there's no real, you know, confusion around why NASCAR is struggling with that. It's everybody struggles with that. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I think there are ways though that NASCAR could get things going in a different direction when it comes to this. So I've got two things in mind and this is again just spitballing, right? I'm not thinking of the logistics of things. I'm just saying, hey, dream scenarios, right? The first thing that I think of when I think of the all-star race is this is an opportunity to try out different venues because the concept in the past was thrown out. Hey, why can't we race at a track that maybe isn't already on the circuit? And the pushback that people would give Steve Phelps and, and other guys that were in charge of NASCAR would come on the radio and they'd say, well, you know, these, these facilities, they can't hold cup series crowds. That was like the big thing. Now, my first rebuttal to that is, is the All-Star Race sold out of Texas? Because I do not think that it is. You know, the All-Star Race of Texas is not getting too many eggplant emojis going. I can tell you that right now. So what kind of crowd are you expecting at a, a different track? I think the other rebuttal to that is we've seen in other sports, you don't need that type of facility in order to have success. I'm going to look at baseball again. They just last year, for the first time, did their Field of Dreams game in the middle of Iowa, and it was a small, intimate setting with very limited tickets, and that was a huge success. They're doing it again this year. Then you look at the Winter Classic during COVID, the NHL's big thing. They usually have that game in a stadium of some sort. Well, in 2020 or 2021, they had it on Lake Tahoe in the middle of nowhere, and they did not have really anybody there, very limited capacity at all, and it worked. It absolutely worked. It got eyes back on an event that was kind of like dying out. So my point here for NASCAR is that you can try out other racetracks around the country and let fans vote on what they want to see. Maybe, you know, everyone's clamoring for more short tracks, right? So you throw a ton of short tracks and all season long, starting at the all-star race, Right? And going all the way till next year or whatever, whatever the time frame is. Like I said, I'm not worried about the logistics of it. You'd have to tell me when you'd need that decision by. 
Whenever that decision needs to be made, okay, give us six months leading up to that and vote on a different track that has not been in NASCAR before, or maybe it got lost to an event, and let the crowds vote. Let Twitter and social media and NASCAR fans tell you where they want to go next, because I'm sure there's some fans out there that have tracks in mind that they'd love to see. And this pushback of, oh, well, they can't hold cup facilities. I call bullshit on that now. You don't have to allow 75,000 people into a racetrack that just can't handle it. You don't make it exclusive. Just like anything else in life, supply demand, make it exclusive and people will pay more money. We'll get that place filled. For example, I think that the Cup Series would be great to see an all-star race at Eldora Racetrack. That used to be the dirt track that the trucks went to. And at that time, the thought was, oh, well, it's the one thing the trucks have, you know, they race on dirt. So let them keep that. Well, that's out the window now because we've seen two races so far on dirt for the Cup Series. So that whole uh, cherry has been popped there. And so let's go to Eldora if you can make amends with Tony Stewart and uh, get that going because I would love to see the Cup cars at Eldora. Make it a very small field. You don't have to allow every, you know, maybe relook at the way the field is set. It doesn't have to be every single winner or whatever over the past year. Make it a smaller field. Make it tougher to get into the all-star race. You have heat events. Make it just a true heat style uh, qualifying and, and make it 15 guys or whatever, 12 guys in the final A main, and that's it. That's an example, right? You've seen the Coliseum, super short track. It works. It's a different track, never seen before. And you make that the all-star race midseason. Hollywood, glitz, glamour, million dollars, the whole nine yards. Make that an all-star race track. But the point is, I think you can explore other options because if the all-star race was at a track that we've never seen before, I'm in. I want to see that. My eyeballs are there. Appointment television out the ass for sure. So give me that. The other, you know, so that's my concept number one. And I don't think that is too out of control. My second concept is way out of control. And I don't care. This is just me throwing it out there in the universe and whatever comes back, comes back. This concept involves all three series. We're talking Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks. Because why not? Why not loop the other two series into your All-Star weekend? I know that that's not something that we see in other sports, but it's something that NASCAR has the ability to do. Big up your younger guys. Big up the guys that are competing in these lower series and get some more eyeballs on that. It's a win-win scenario. So my way of doing that, if it has to be at a track like Texas, right? Texas or Charlotte or whatever. Another one of these standard tracks, I think you can make it interesting enough to where people would want to pay attention. So at the end of the day, we've got trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. You're going to have three races all in one night. But the way that you make it interesting is you limit the amount of people that make the all-star race from each series. So let's say maybe 10 guys from the Cup series, seven guys from Xfinity, seven guys from the, the truck series or whatever. This would actually benefit everyone if this was on a shorter track because when you have less guys in the field, it's you know looks a little silly in the mile and a half and the bigger tracks. So short tracks would be better here. But again, the concept here is going back to what we've seen in other sports, and that is a draft. Because I can remember the NHL was the first to do this. And I'm a big hockey fan, You know, played hockey my whole life, and I can remember getting together with my buddies to watch the All-Star Draft. It was like a thing that we did for like three or four years in a row because that All-Star Draft was hilarious. It was awesome. It was cool to see them interact. So the way this would work for NASCAR would be, first of all, each team, each car number that makes the All-Star Race from every series would be its own entity. And to start, you do a four-tire pit stop with your pit crew, all right? The fastest pit crew gets the first overall pick and then all the way down the line. So you can't pick your own driver so that the crew chief would be the captain of the team, etc. And can't pick your own driver or anybody on your like race shop, right? So Kyle Larson, the five car, can't choose Chase Elliott. That would be like kind of the rules set in place unless like you're left over with them. And so what you do is you 
basically have a draft and you end up drivers driving different race cars. Now, I know that that might turn some people off. I know that there's some logistics with uh, marketing and, and the sponsorship, but at the end of the day, you would say whatever driver has his sponsors, they're going to go with him. So you could see Chase Elliott driving the 88 truck and it would be wrapped in the Napa sponsors. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Again, just kind of putting this all out there. So what ends up happening is everybody's in a different series. You've got guys from different series racing in different equipment, getting opportunity to shine against, you know, you've got truck drivers, Xfinity drivers getting a chance against the, the cup guys in a non-points paying race. So it's more lighthearted, but you get to see them compete. Who's going to take it, you know, a little bit more seriously, who can get it done, showing off their skills. And you've got three races back to back to back all in one night. See how it plays out. Again, shorter racetrack, that would be you know better for if we're going to limit the field a little bit. If you want to make it a lot more people, that's fine. But I think that would be appointment television. The draft itself would be amazing. The, the draft pick order, the pick crew stuff would be something that they can you know market and get some appointment television for that as well. So all of that you know coming together, one night, three races, shorter races, shorter field, making the field tougher to get into. That, to me, equals more interesting stuff. Now, from a gambling standpoint, it'd be a mess, but I'm not trying to talk about that right now. I'm just trying to figure out a way to make the All-Star Race in general more intriguing to me. And that's really where I'm coming from. So if you absolutely hate that idea, let me know about it. Like, let me hear it. Tell me why. What idea do you have? Because I'm all ears. Like, I think there are so many other options out there that are a thing. I... I was throwing this out there to uh, one person that I know, and they said, he's F1 Frank. Um, and he was saying, well, isn't there like the Le Mans where they do like different types of race cars in the same track at the same time? And I was thinking about trucks, Xfinity and Cup all on the track at the same time. That might be a little dangerous. I don't think that would work exactly. Uh, but hey, crazy thought. Like I'm in for any type of crazy thought uh, when it comes to the all-star race. So let me know what you think. Am I nuts? Is it cool? Let me know why. And uh, hopefully NASCAR can make some changes down the road to make this weekend a little bit more fun for everyone involved. So that'll do it for our all-star episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks so much once again for listening. Really appreciate it. Follow me on social media at Full Tank Phil on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to get your bets in early this week if you are betting. And join us next week for the preview of the longest race of the year, one of my favorites, the Coke 600, where we'll be joined by special guest Derek. Drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Place to go. Have no place to go. Goodbye.